Good morning, Game Changers, and welcome to Life Church X Online. Worship was just fantastic this morning. So exciting seeing all those folks up there in our Jerseyville campus, and we're so thankful for all of you making the investment uh, to be here and lead us in worship every single week. God bless you and your families, and I hope everyone is doing well today. We are in the middle of a series right now called The Holy Spirit, Do You Know Him? And my goal over these weeks really is to introduce you more and more and in a deeper way possibly than ever before to the Holy Spirit. A lot of people have a preconceived idea of who the Holy Spirit is or maybe they think what the Holy Spirit is. And I just want to challenge you with this thought. I introduced this last week that it's so different when you know someone versus when you know of someone. I'll never forget early on after we planted the church in Waterloo, I love going out and meeting pastors and building friendships with local pastors in our community. And one day I was sitting down with a a pastor from a larger church in our area, and he presented this question to me that just caught me completely off guard. He said, Matt, I have a question that I just have to ask you, real serious, like, you know, and I said, well, absolutely, you know, go ahead. I thought maybe we were going to get in on something theological or who knows. And he asked me the question, are you one of those flat earthers? And I, at the time, I had no idea what that even meant. I mean, I knew what it sounded like, but I wasn't sure what it meant. And so I just said, what exactly is a flat earther? And he laughed and I laughed and he said, that's kind of what I thought. He said, I had just heard from some folks that you believed in the flat earth theory, which believe it or not is a thing now, who knew, um, people that actually think the earth is flat again. And I said, no, I think it's round, you know. Uh, and we laughed and shook it off and then moved on. And we've become great friends ever since then. But I just want to make the point that it's so easy for us to hear from other people about what they think or what they've heard and then develop an idea of someone that simply just isn't accurate. And when we get to know that person for ourselves, a lot of those preconceived ideas just begin to fall down and we enter into a totally different experience. But before that can happen, we have to be willing and open, just like that pastor was, to see for themselves or to see for ourselves who this person really is and what they're about. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is a person that you need to know, and you need to know him well. In fact, a friendship and relationship with him will be the greatest relationship that you could ever develop under heaven. This relationship itself will strengthen and improve all of your other earthly relationships that you have. Let me say it this way. I am a better husband, a better father, a better pastor, a better friend, all of those things because of the relationship that I have with the Holy Spirit. I mean that sincerely, and I couldn't stress to you enough how important that I feel it is for each and every one of you in your own lives to cultivate this kind of relationship with Him as well. So let's begin today by opening up our Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, and we will read verses 1 through 4. 
It says here, I'm sorry, verses uh, 4 through 8. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says here, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance or understanding. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask you in Jesus' name, God, to come, open our eyes, enlighten us, God, illuminate the scriptures for us today. Reveal your Holy Spirit to us in a deeper way than ever before. God, I pray you would just speak through me in these moments ahead. Apart from you, God, I can do absolutely nothing of transformational value in people's lives. We must have you right now in the Holy Spirit in these moments ahead. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, these opening verses out of Acts 2, not 1, sorry I got a bit confused on that. These opening verses uh, illustrate the situation or the scene that last week's message called uh, This Is Not Goodbye, where we talked about Jesus introducing that the Holy Spirit would come. These verses right here in Acts 2, 1 through 4 are the actual occasion occurrence when the Holy Spirit does get poured out. This was the moment that Jesus was referring to. This was the moment that Jesus spoke of when he said, go into the city and wait there until you are endued with power from on high. It's interesting because Jesus spoke about the Great Commission. We see that in the closing of the Gospels. He said, go into all the world, make disciples in all the nations. He gave this strong mandate to the church, this mission that we are on. But before that could actually begin, he said that they needed to wait in the city until they were endued with power from on high. Also, that example is synonymous with the coming of the Helper or the Holy Spirit. And so these verses show us when that actually takes place. Now, there's a number of things here that we can definitely draw attention to, and some of them I will in the next week or two. But one of the things we see is he says that they went into the city, that they were endued with power from on high. We know they left with power. The New Testament church was birthed and exploded. They began to lay hands on people. Miracles started happening. They preached with authority like never before. So there was power that was unleashed. We know the Holy Spirit came like a rushing mighty wind. We know that tongues of fire fell upon them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. All these things that we see going on. But what I want to draw your attention to today, and again, I'm kind of building each week through this process of getting to know the Holy Spirit, so I feel like there's an order to all of this. And what I want to draw your attention to today is that it was the day of Pentecost when this happened. So the title of part two today of the series, The Holy Spirit, Do You Know Him? The title of today's message is, What is Pentecost. What is Pentecost? Pentecost is really a Greek word. 
And pente, it comes from two words, pente and coste. And pente means five. So what this means is it's the 50th day. Pentecost is the 50th day after the Sabbath that occurs around Passover. So Passover comes and then the Sabbath after that, there's 50 days later that mark the celebration of Pentecost. All right. Now, Pentecost is one of seven feasts that occur in the Jewish calendar. Those seven feasts take place around three different festivals. Now, I just want to briefly explain these seven feasts to you because it's very important to understand them, but we're going to pay particular attention to Pentecost in these seven feasts because you need to understand the significance of Pentecost, I believe, in order to deepen and further your understanding of the Holy Spirit, thus going into a more intimate and deeper relationship with Him. So here's what the seven feasts were. Number one was Passover. We know this was the celebration of when God delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt, but Passover actually marks when they covered the doorposts with the blood of lambs that they, that they killed that evening. And when the angel of death passed through, death passed over those who were covered by the blood of that lamb. Number two is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So this is pretty cool because God said, you need to get out of Egypt so fast. It's going to be so swift and so quick that you need to flee in a hurry. So grab your your dough from your bread, but put no leaven in it because you don't have time to let it sit in leaven. So it speaks to the deliverance out of bondage in oppression to the people of Egypt. Number three, the third feast is first fruits. So first fruits was something God told the people of Israel to celebrate. When they came into the land, they would take the first fruits of their new crops and they would reap the harvest of the first fruits and they would bring it as an offering to the Lord as a statement of faith that God would bring the rest of the harvest. This is really cool. And so the the feast of first fruits is actually uh, that particular one celebrates the barley harvest, which was the first harvest of their grain. So just so you know, those three feasts, Passover, Unleavened Bread, and First Fruits, all take place in the first festival, which is the early spring festival of Unleavened Bread. Well, then we go forward again 50 days after the Sabbath in the Passover celebration, and we come to Pentecost. Pentecost not only is a celebration of the first fruits of the wheat harvest, so that's the second grain harvest, they bring the first fruits of the wheat as an offering, but Pentecost, this is very important, is also the celebration of the giving of the law to Moses and then to the people of of God through Moses on the mountain of Sinai in the wilderness 
50 days after the Passover in Egypt. So they made their way out into the wilderness. They were out there, already crossed the Red Sea. They come to this point where Moses goes up on the mountain. God comes down in a cloud. He visits him. He begins to speak to him over a period of 40 days, and he gives him the law that we know to be uh, part of the Old Covenant in the Old Testament. So moving on, okay, now that's considered the, the summer feast then we move into the three fall feasts, which is the third festival of ingathering, and that would be trumpets, day of atonement, and tabernacles. Just quickly, trumpets would be when they would sound the trumpets to mark the end of the harvest. All the people would come in from the fields. The harvest was over after the barley and the wheat. They also had the grapes. Come on in. The harvest is over, and let's celebrate now. All right, and the trumpets would be what would mark the sound of them coming in. Then you go to the Day of Atonement, which was when the high priest would make atonement for the sins of the people every single year as a ritual celebration, satisfying judgment necessary for sin. And then the last one, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, was the celebration of God's provision of providing shelter and homes and houses for the people all during the wilderness period of the 40 years. I know that's a lot to take in, but it's very important that you understand the significance of these seven feasts. Here's why. Again, because Pentecost is where we're going today. But the Bible tells us in the book of Colossians, that all of the Old Testament laws and ordinances, the festivals, new moons, all of these things were a foreshadow of things to come, the substance of which is Christ. So ultimately, these seven Old Testament feasts will be totally fulfilled by Christ himself. Now, this is amazing, but four of those feasts have already been fulfilled entirely. Three of them are actually yet to be fulfilled. Now, let's just go through that briefly. The first one was Passover. That was fulfilled when Jesus became the Lamb of God, sacrificed on the cross, spilled his blood, and now those of us who confess Jesus as Lord and Savior are washed, covered by the blood of the lamb, and our sins are forgiven. The Feast of Unleavened Bread speaks to the deliverance out of bondage and out of oppression and slavery to the people of Egypt. The work of Christ on the cross delivers us out of the bondage of sin and death, speaks to God as our deliverer. The Feast of First Fruits was fulfilled in the resurrection of Christ. When Christ was risen from the grave and defeated death, the Bible says he became the first fruits of us who are yet to come. So he was the first one to, to literally be risen from the grave and from the dead and have a resurrected body that would ascend to heaven. All of us who give our hearts to Christ will also take part in that resurrection, but Christ was the first fruits of that that paved the way to actually make the rest of us holy in, in, as we come into union in that work with him. The fourth one is Pentecost, which I'm going to get to in a second because that's what we want to talk mostly about today, and that has already been fulfilled as well, and I'll speak to that more. 
But just briefly, the, the feasts of, of trumpets, day of atonement, and tabernacles are still yet to come, and here's how. The feast of trumpets will be fulfilled when Christ returns. The Bible says when the sky opens up and Christ comes back on the white horse, that the last trumpet will sound in the sky. And get this, the, the harvest will be over. The laborers will come in from the fields. The gospel age of witnessing to a lost and dying world will finally come to an end when Christ comes back. The harvest will be over and we will come in to celebrate when the trumpets are sounded. The day of atonement will be fulfilled whenever Jesus fully judges the living and the dead at the great white throne, which is after his return. So all of sin will be judged and satisfied. The, the judgment will be satisfied. Either we're covered in the blood and we're blessed in the heaven for all eternity, or those who are not covered in the blood will obviously be condemned into the lake of fire. But ultimately, all judgment will be satisfied at that point. That's the day of atonement. And then the last one is the Feast of Tabernacles, which reflects when the presence and the glory of God cover the earth as the water covers the sea. There's a new, a new earth and a new heaven. It says in that time there's no sun, no moon, and no need for stars because the glory of God will illuminate everything. So just like tabernacles celebrated that God would dwell with the people and provide shelter for the people, whenever that day comes and Christ fulfills that, we will literally tabernacle with the fullness of the presence of God for all of the eternal age. Isn't that some powerful stuff to think about? You know, if that's if you say that's that's some pretty good stuff, can you just type that in the comment section right now? Say that's some good stuff right there. Powerful. I love how the Bible is just so consistent all throughout. Thousands of years ago, Old Testament feasts and festivals that are fulfilled in the work of one man, the Messiah Christ himself. But let's talk about Pentecost. And how Christ has fulfilled that and why that's so important to our relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you three points on this today. And I'm going to make these three points by way of comparison. Okay? So there's going to be a comparison in each one. So point number one, if you're taking notes, is cloud and wind. Cloud and wind. In order for me to unpack this, let's just read out of Exodus chapter 9 for a moment, verses 16 through 20. It says, Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of a trumpet was very loud, so all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely covered in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. When the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down, picture this, the Lord came down a cloud and fire, and there's a great quaking. He comes down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, 
And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Okay, so we're going to compare this event because this is the point where Moses goes up on Sinai and gets the law. Again, 50 days after the first Passover in Egypt. We're going to compare that to the Pentecost in the New Testament that we read in the beginning of Acts chapter 2. So think about this for a second. God comes down in a cloud and of fire, and Moses goes up the mountain to meet with him, and there's a great quaking, all right? Let me draw the comparison here, that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down in a mighty rushing wind. Wind can mean to blow, and it can mean spirit. So there was a loud thundering and rushing wind that caught everybody's attention in the city, so they came, but that sound was happening because the wind of the Spirit of God was literally rushing in, and just like there was fire in the cloud that came down on the mountain, there were tongues of fire that came down and sat upon all those who were in the upper room and filled with the Holy Spirit. That's powerful to think about. Moses had to go up the mountain, in this case Sinai, to meet with God and to be with him. God called him up there. The brethren on Pentecost, Jesus called them up. He said, go and wait in the city. And they were actually on top of Mount Zion in the city of Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit came down. Do you see the connection? But here's another one for you. Again, cloud and wind which both represent the Holy Spirit here, the cloud became a guiding factor, a guiding force for them in the wilderness for the people of Israel. So when the cloud would move, the people of Israel would pick up camp, they would pack up the the uh, the temple and all those things that they that the sanctuary that Moses had built they would pack all that stuff up and they would begin to travel and follow the cloud until it stopped and then they would stop and they would break out camp again wherever the cloud went they went and whenever it stayed put they stayed put it was the perfect guide for the people. I've thought a lot about this. I don't know if you ever considered this, but women who've had children out there, you know what the nesting period is, right? We've had six kids, so we're very familiar with the nesting period. Women like to kind of get settled in. They get the room set up. They get the house ready, and they hunker down, baby, until the child comes, and then they just welcome that child in. Uh, it's an awesome process and an awesome experience. But I've just thought about with the women in Israel in the wilderness, you know, nesting probably couldn't have been a thing, right? I mean, could it have been? Because whenever the cloud would move, if you were nesting, you know, that was not a good thing because you had to pick up camp and everything that was going on. Man, if you had that tent ready for the baby, I'm sorry, but the cloud is moving and we got to go. So let's just appreciate the nesting process now. But my point is that the cloud served as an ultimate guide. And the Holy Spirit, we know Jesus said that when he would come, that he would become our guide, that he would lead us into all truth. Do you see the connection between those two things, cloud and wind? Secondly, the point here is, second point is death and life. Death and life. Again, the comparison. So on Sinai, 
when Moses went up and the cloud came down, Moses received the law, the commandments of God and the five books of the Torah, of the first five books of the Bible. And so that law was given, but when that law was given, we know that that law did not make men righteous. It did not put them in right standing with God. In fact, if you really study the scriptures, you find that it actually just sort of uh, sealed the fact that we were dead without a mediator. Meaning when the law came, it served only as a tutor, the Bible tells us, to lead us to Christ. But no one could ever actually keep the law on their own and in their own righteousness. So really, that was a reflection of the death that we stayed in if something else didn't come. In fact, Moses, when he gets done on the mountain and he comes down from Sinai, you probably remember this from your Bible classes as a kid in Sunday school, the people had made a golden calf, an idol, an image out of gold, and were worshiping this thing, and Moses became furious, and he prayed that God would spare the people, and it said that God chose to relent from from wiping the people out because of Moses' prayer, but nonetheless, 3,000 people still died that day as a result of judgment that God brought upon their sin. I mean, he wasn't even down from the mountain with the law, and they were already lost in the sin of idolatry. Such proof that we could never keep the law on our own. It does not make us righteous. It just confirms that we're dead without a mediator. But now let's compare that to Pentecost and the Holy Spirit. You see, when the Holy Spirit came and he filled men and they were born again, The Bible tells us that 3,000 people were saved that day. Do you think that's an accident or a coincidence that God's saying this was the first Pentecost and then this was the fulfillment of this when the Holy Spirit came? Do you think it's a coincidence that 3,000 people died that day on Sinai versus 3,000 people became alive spiritually that day at Pentecost in the city of Jerusalem? It's not a coincidence at all. And furthermore, man could never keep the law on his own, but get this, when the Holy Spirit comes and indwells people, he gives us the power to be able to live righteously, to uphold the commands and laws of God, and to be able to reign over the lusts of the flesh. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to do that, which we are incapable of ever achieving in our own strength and in our human strength. You see the connections here. So the third point that I want to get to, our last one today, is stone and flesh. Stone and flesh. So on Sinai, when God came down and spoke to Moses and gave him the law, he wrote the law, very powerful to think about this, he wrote the law in tablets of stone with the finger of God, the Bible tells us. The finger of God literally wrote the law in tablets of stone. But when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, he filled men and women, he filled people, and it says that from that point on, he began to write God's laws, not on tablets of stone, but actually on our hearts. 
man, this just blows me away. Let's just read in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33 here for a second. It says, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their, mouth, in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Jeremiah was a prophet centuries before Jesus ever came, but the Lord gave him this prophecy that whenever the Holy Spirit would come, he would write the laws of God on our hearts. We would be convicted by the Holy Spirit to know the laws of God and to walk in and follow the ways of God by the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit himself. Do you see why relationship with him is so important? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 says, Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Wow. Writing on our hearts, on flesh, where it's tender and soft, where we're actually open to the conviction of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who's living on the inside of us, up close and personal, leading and guiding us towards his ways and away from the things that are harmful for us. Lastly, I just want to give you this scripture, Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 19 through 20. It says, Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and take the stony heart out of their flesh, again, this is when we're dead spiritually, and give them a heart of flesh, now born again, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Their God. Do you see that? That they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments. The Spirit of God empowers us to do what the law could never empower us to do which is walk in our purpose, fulfill our destiny, flourish in our God-given calling because we are empowered by his spirit to do what it is that he's leading us into. We must have that close connection and personal relationship with this person of God, the Holy Spirit. As I close, I just want to remind you that Pentecost was the fulfillment of what originally began on Mount Sinai that day, 50 days after the Passover. 50 days after the Passover when Jesus was crucified, Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit was poured out. That moment marks the event that the prophet Joel referred to as the outpouring of rain, the early and latter rain. Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, was the early rain. I spoke about this a couple weeks ago, but the early rain would saturate the ground and the seeds would be sown by the farmers for their crops, and then the crops would take root, grow, and mature. It would steadily rain during that whole growth period, and then towards the end of the harvest cycle, there would be a latter rain outpouring that would be like a downpour for however long over those crops to fully ripen and mature them so that they were ready for the final harvest. Man, this is some powerful stuff to think about. But the Holy Spirit poured out at the day of Pentecost 
was the early rain. The seed of the New Testament church was sown into the ground that day, took root, and was birthed. And that church that Jesus came to establish has been growing and flourishing and maturing ever since then. And the reign of the Holy Spirit has been being poured out over sons and daughters steadily as we've been in this growth cycle ever since Pentecost happened. But here's the day that we all look forward to and anticipate when Christ returns. But before he comes and reaps that final harvest, there is a latter rain outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It will come and pour out over the land, ripen the crops as a final maturing process so that they are ready for the final harvest. You see, the church has been growing and getting stronger for thousands of years now, a couple thousand years since Jesus came. But there is a point before his return when there is a massive outpouring, latter rain of the Holy Spirit like nothing any of us have ever seen before. And that will precede the return of our Lord. But that outpouring will be so widespread that no one will be able to mistake it. And it will cause the crops of the harvest, the church of God, to rise up strong, fast, and swift, and vast, and away over the earth like we've never seen before, before Jesus comes back. And so I just want to encourage you today that when that happened at Pentecost and the Holy Spirit was poured out, one of the things that marked the church is it immediately moved out into the streets of the cities and people started getting saved all over. I mean, that's really a good picture of what revival looks like. Jesus added to the church daily, the Bible says. Well, look, I believe we are in a point where we're approaching the latter rain. When that actually hits and happens, maybe we'll see it, maybe we won't, but I don't think we will mistake it when it comes. I think that we're starting to see early signs of what's happening in our world right now that do give indication that it's close. But the beautiful thing is when that happens, the latter rain hits, the church is going to start to move out into the streets and there's going to be revival and awakening like never before. Can I just ask you a question as I close? What is happening right now? The church is really moving out into the streets, out into the community, and really out into the homes and lives of people and continuing to thrive and grow. And I believe even through this trial of pandemic, actually getting stronger. Here's what I want to say to you today. You have a part and you have a place. Every member in the body of Christ has a function and it's an important function. There are gifts in you, and there's a calling on your life. In order to fulfill that, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you and empower you to fulfill the things that only He can do through you. There's a clear indication in the difference of the lives of the apostles and the brethren after Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. They began to live with unprecedented power from God in their lives. And I am telling you right now that the Holy Spirit can come and will come if you want him to. Even right now, in these moments that I'm speaking, 
that he will come and he will begin to fill you and he will fill you full to overflow and then the power of God will begin to flow out of you like rivers of living water to accomplish great and mighty things for him on this earth. There's a close personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, the person of God that we all must have in order to walk out the fullness of our destiny. I want to pray for you today to receive that. If you're ready for that, if you're open to that, will you just allow yourself to receive right now as I pray whatever it is that God wants to do. Do not restrict him and do not hold back. Just 100% allow yourself to yield to him wherever you are, wherever you're at. Don't worry about who's around or what anybody will think. This is your moment with God like never before if you want it to be today. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would pour your spirit out right now over sons and daughters who are hearing this, who are asking you, God, to send your Holy Spirit. Pour it out like rain and pour it out like fire, God, over them. Fill them and baptize them in a way like never before. God, empower them and strengthen them to be everything that you've created them to be and to walk in the fullness of their destiny. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe right now, even in these moments, if your heart is seeking God, that I can feel him right now, even here in this room by myself, I can feel the Holy Spirit coming down and I believe if you're open to it, you feel him right now, even in these moments, moving in your life. And I want to encourage you, there's so much more. The best is yet to come. This is only the beginning of a journey with the Holy Spirit. I hope you know him. God bless you and have an awesome day.